welcome to the Twinkie Chronicles podcast, where two twins are shedding light on the childbearing years. It's your co-host, Christina, aka Twinkie number one. And today I have, I'm so excited. <laughs> I have a special guest named Delandra Benson on the podcast. Um, Delandra and I have worked together the last few, couple of years in um, the doula community. And yeah, so welcome, Delandra. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And I think, you know, this is my first podcast and I love that I'm on the Twinkie Chronicles. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that name. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has a ring to it. I, I don't, yeah. I thought of it one day and pitched it to Kathy and she was sold. So I was like, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I am, I'm, I'm Delandra, and I'm a midwife currently here in the Atlanta metro area, um, kind of extending all the way over to Alabama and going down into central Georgia area. But yeah, I'm a midwife, and I work in the home birth setting. And before becoming a midwife, I was a labor doula. So I, I, my, my journey in birth work started 16 years ago as a labor doula. So I have lots of doula experience helping families like prepare for the birth and, you know, and navigate the birth and then experience that postpartum time. Yeah, I've worked with hundreds of families in Atlanta. So yeah, it's been an amazing journey. I have met so many different types of people along the way and seen lots of different things in the birthing space. So yeah, I'm just excited. I'm, 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 thrilled to still be a part of the birth community and to be growing within the birth community. It's been an amazing time. Well, that sounds really awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about your family too. Like when you had your daughter and did that kind of segue your decision to become a doula or was it separate? That's exactly what um, inspired me to become a doula, you know, a little bit. So I had my daughter back in 2005 and the two of my friends had babies, right. You know, kind of soon after I had my daughter. And so we were a friend group. We were all having our babies. We all had our birth plans. Everyone was going to go natural. And for me, it worked out. I, now I tell people all the time, my stars aligned and I got a relatively easy labor. And it was a great experience. I remember during my labor, my midwife came in and this was a hospital birth. And my, my nurse midwife came in and she like touched my ankle and told me to breathe. And it made all the difference in my labor. And that is the one moment that I kind of point to as the start of me realizing, okay, if a woman has support of a certain kind during labor, it makes it easier. So um, I didn't know at that in that moment that that was going to turn into anything. But, you know, my friends who had babies shortly after me, they had very different experiences. They didn't have great support or they didn't have a care provider who really had their personal preferences and interests in mind. So I began to see that labor and birth is more than just going to the hospital and breathing and having a baby. There are so many different elements at play. And when you have more well-rounded support, you can have a better experience. So yeah, after my friends had their babies, one of them, you know, had a really traumatic birth and I just found myself wishing I was there. And, you know, at some point it came full circle and I said, oh, the doula, that is the person who is there. So 
that started my journey in doula work. I attended my first birth as a doula when my daughter was about seven months old and never looked back. <laughs> wow, what a great story. Um, so then uh, what led to you, um, how did you find Labor of Love and what led to you eventually purchasing the agency? I found Labor of Love. So back in 2005, Labor of Love was the only doula agency in town. So when you looked up doula on a general like web search, um, did we even have Google back then? I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been a Yahoo search, <laughs> but right. the, um, the, the, the only group that came up was Labor of Love. And so Labor of Love was established in the year 2000 and doulas were not as well known. And so at, when I decided to become a doula, I didn't, I wasn't able to tap into like a huge community of doulas and birth workers, but I did move forward and try to get a training through DONA, which is Doulas of North America. Right now it's DONA International, but that was the agency that I went through for my certification. And I had to take a childbirth class as a part of my training and the Labor of Love class met the requirements. So I reached out to Labor of Love. At the time, the owner was Teresa Howard. She welcomed me to take her childbirth class, which was a six weekend series. And it was great. I mean, it was enlightening actually attending a childbirth class. That was my first one. And I, you know, Teresa and I meshed really well. And so I didn't begin working with Labor of Love at that time, but I, um, yeah, just kind of went off on my own. I completed my doula certification. I went off and just kind of had doula clients here and there. And I will say about three years later, two or three years later, Teresa reached out to me and saw that through Facebook, she saw that I was continuing to be a doula. You know, I didn't just take class and get the certification and stop. I continued. So she noticed that I was still busy <laughs> and she invited me to be a part of her group, which I was thrilled to be a part of because, yeah, it really helps you to have those professional relationships and connections within the birth community. So that's what Labor of Love provided. And yeah, I've joined Labor of Love in 2009, I want to say. And yeah, around 2015. So, well, yeah, Teresa Howard. Teresa talked about selling the company for years and years and years. No one believed her. <laughs> we were like, oh yeah, she's not gonna ever gonna sell the company. One day she got really serious about passing the torch and she looked at um, an owner of another doula agency and she considered myself and another doula within the agency as to, you know, as far as who will take over the company. And, you know, the process went how it went. And I was the one that was ultimately, I guess, most interested. <laughs> but yeah, she, I was the one that ended up being able to buy the company from her, which for me, that was really important because I didn't see myself working for any of the other doulas in the city, I really thought it was just an excellent opportunity to work for myself and grow the Labor of Love brand beyond where she had already grown it to because Labor of Love has always been a very well-established doula group. But I saw a great opportunity to kind of take the reins and make it my own. And it's been great. I mean, I am just, I feel lucky that the opportunity presented itself. And then I'm just, yeah, I've been incredibly blessed the entire time of owning the company. It's been a great, great time. Yeah, that's super awesome. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but actually Delandra hired me a few years ago um, as one of the doulas with Labor of Love. And it really has been 
a great learning experience. Um, the relationships that have been built with within the agency is, you know, it's like a sisterhood almost. And, and it's just been, well, awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a simple way to put it, but yeah, it's been awesome. Um, and we loved having you. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, so what made you switch from like just being a business owner and, and birth, um, like a birth doula and switching over to midwifery school? That happened over time. It was mostly because, you know, as a doula, you attend births in the hospital setting, in the home birth setting. At some point, Atlanta Birth Center entered the scene. So there were birth center births. But you begin to see the way different care providers manage the birth. And so as I saw how different care providers would manage labor, it, it just was so evident that the more interventive care providers had just, you know, so many more complications, different outcomes that were not necessarily um, expected outcomes or outcomes that were um, positive outcomes in the eyes of the parents. So I just realized like, okay, there are two different models of care. There's this obstetric model, which kind of can get convoluted and lead to a lot of complications and, you know, lots of interventions and the outcomes can be very variable versus the midwifery model of care, which really does support a, a birthing person's body. And, you know, there's just a sense of trust that is imparted in midwifery care. And so I began to realize like, okay, there's a particular model that really resonates with me, model of care that resonates with me. And then in attending all these births, I began to think about the birth from a clinical perspective. So it was less about when to do a hip squeeze and more about you know, when does a mom truly need to be induced or do we really need to be breaking her water or, you know, just different aspects that fall more under that medical care umbrella. And so the more I saw myself shifting toward thinking from a clinical perspective, I realized I'm like, okay, I just need to be the care provider. <laughs> I need to do the training, get the education so that I can provide a model of care that I believe in. And also, you know, which, which increases the resources for moms giving birth over around the city but yeah just also aligning myself to see more of the births that I really you know believe in well not to say I don't believe in birth but <laughs> I think that midwifery model really does the birth looks very different under that model and so I was just eager to be more a part of that so yeah I decided to go to midwifery school that's awesome um it sounds yeah. like that that model of care really resonates with you which a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm so blessed that the stars aligned and, you know, I found this field. And then to the mission behind the podcast on my end is to really help people make well-educated, informed decisions. So many, pe so many people I hear like, oh, well, I found out I was pregnant. So I just did a Google search and called the first name that popped up. And there's not a relationship built. There's not trust built. And, you know, for, for the client, like these, this is a life altering experience. Like you're not the same after you have a baby um, for the mother and the father. And so, yeah, I think that just helping get the word out that now do we need medical care? in certain situations, 100%. But midwives are so well trained to 
um, you know, know like, okay, we need to transfer to the hospital. And, you know, but on the other hand, I don't want to make this podcast seem like we're not in support of hospital birth. It, by all means, like if that's where you're comfortable, like do the research, get a provider that aligns with your goals, etc. Um, but I am talking about the people who wish they could have a home birth, but are too scared um, and don't have good, solid evidence based research, basically. So, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what uh why do you think there is such a big stigma around moms asking for help, either during their pregnancy, postpartum, childbearing years? You know, I blame our culture. <laughs> I think just in our culture, there is this, this mentality that we have to be able to take everything on. We And everyone has this this kind of pressure on them. And it's even worse for moms because we're expected to work. We're expected to have the baby, take care of the baby, you know, take care of the home. We're just, there are so many things that are put on a mom's shoulders. And it's just, it's really difficult to ask for help because we're expected to do it all. And so what I've found is there's just, yeah, unless you have a built-in network, like your mother lives in your house or his mother lives in your house, there's this seclusion that happens when people are giving birth. It's, you know, you have your baby, you go into this bubble, and sometimes it's an easy bubble to be in in seclusion, but most times I find families end up very um just agitated, overtired, their sleep deprivation, there are different things that they are trying to learn about their baby. And they just really would benefit from some extra support. But yeah, I think the stigma is that we don't want to appear as if we can't handle it. So we're more likely to just not engage the help, but try to power through. So yeah, unfortunately, in our culture, the expectation is not that we will be home for, you know, a year after we give birth. There's a six month maternity leave for some people, or some people don't get maternity leave. We have moms that are going back to work after four weeks. There's just, yeah, there's our, our culture and our society has not built into it, taking care of the mom in the postpartum space. And unfortunately we take that on as normal. And we think, oh, well, we must not need the help. <laughs> we must not need to stay home that long. So I think, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of a stigma when you actually reach out and say, hey, guys, I need help, especially if you are reaching out from a place of needing, you know, assistance with your mental health or needing assistance with your physical, you know, recovery. Yeah, those things, I think, yeah, moms, moms can sometimes feel a little too bad asking for help. And it's unfortunate because we need to gather around and provide support for everyone who has had a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I feel like not all, but some of the stress and um, challenges that families face could be alleviated with that support piece of the pie, so to speak. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing that, you know, we have some evidence that says that when you have a postpartum, just, just a designated postpartum support person, that could be a postpartum doula, it could be a family member that's really helpful. But yeah, when you engage help in the postpartum space, you recover faster, and you bond with your baby better, you know, you, you have less incidences of postpartum mood disorders. So the benefits are there, we just need to 
you know, we need a cultural shift toward an environment that includes that postpartum support instead of one that is like, oh, well, maybe I'll have it, maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I can afford it, maybe I can't, you know, those dynamics in play. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about um, postpartum doula specifically, you know, not just because it's my job or, you know, I, I want to make money, but it's that I see the difference. I see the mom who is at the end of her rope and I come in once a week for three weeks and then she feels so much better. She just needs to get over that little hump. And, you know, and then moving forward after that, we, we got a, a plan together of who could help her since now my, you know, what she could afford was expended, um, you know, who can help you now? And, um, you know, I check in with her from time to time and, and she's doing well, she's adjusted well, she loves her baby and, and all of those things. And um, she said that I just brought this peace to her home. And sometimes it's nice to just have that outside, um, that outside influence, like a different perspective, a different way to look at something, different suggestions, things like that. And um, so, and, you know, the thing is, there's ways to get around the budgetary um, limitations. Um, some doulas work on a sliding scale. You can ask for donations, like, during your baby shower. Like, I always, I have this saying, my kids hate it, but where there's a will, there's a way. And that's kind of how I feel like, where there's a will, there's a way, you'll figure out a way to get that support that you need. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I think it's important to at least explore the option, even if you're not sure if you can afford it, but just like gather the information because there are, like you said, these sliding scale resources or getting creative with how you finance your postpartum doula support. I think, yeah, it's important to at least give it a try to look around and align your support and yeah, just try your best. Don't, don't, you know, don't not seek out the support because you think you won't be able to hire someone because you're absolutely right. Some doulas will barter, some doulas, you know, like, yeah, there are lots of ways to get that support on board. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've heard of, you know, lawns being cared for, dogs walks, all, mm -hmm. all the things. So yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, and don't be an artist, you know, like trade some art or, <laughs> you know, if there's something very unique about you, offer that, you know, you're, the doula may love to have something that is, you know, a tangible versus money, you know, so yeah, I think every, every parent should, yeah, moms especially should not be afraid to reach out and offer what they can. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so what is one piece of advice that you found useful either during pregnancy or parenthood? Hmm, a useful piece of advice, I will say, feel, you know, guard your space. That is the most useful piece of advice. I feel like I relay it to every single client is, and what that means is, you know, there are lots of horror stories about birth. There are lots of horror stories about the postpartum time. And, you know, people tend to, you know, like having a newborn, they talk about how exhausted you are and the baby cries. And I think just taking those things and putting them into perspective and saying like, okay, I'm not going to let everyone's negative stories scare me about the process and making sure you fill your head with positivity, like positive stories and people who have positive things to say about the experience. That really helps you to find a sense of peace 
and to move through your pregnancy and through the postpartum time without added anxiety. Because all those negative stories and all this negative commentary, it just adds anxiety. It, it doesn't do anyone any good. <laughs> so I tell lots of people, you know, you have enough already in your head that you're worried about or that you're stressed about or that gives you anxiety. You have to, you have to fill your head and your space with positive images, um, positive words, po you know, positive stories. And some people don't necessarily, you know, they're not necessarily able to get that from a physical person. So recommending books that speak about birth positively and podcasts like this one that speaks about your, your, your experience positively. I think those are so important because you have to, there has to be some light throughout this process or you will become consumed <laughs> with all the nerves and the anxiety. <laughs> yes. I I know um, the listeners can't see, but I'm literally doing like a happy dance right now because there our, our world, even outside of um, birth, is so inundated with just darkness and and woe is woe is me and anxiety and fear and depression and all of these things that you know when when you bring birth into it and then all of the decision making that you have to do like should I vaccinate not vaccinate should I circumcise not circumcise medicated unmedicated like all it can get very very overwhelming so definitely I talk to my clients to protect your peace um guard your space that I like that saying too um and and then too having people who, you know, I spoke earlier about having an outside perspective during my postpartum recovery, I felt that woe is me, you know, why can't I have a quote unquote good birth? And a fellow doula was like, well, hey, I want you to write down three good things that happened in each of your births. And even though like, for instance, Cassie and our most recent births, they were, you know, rare statistics, they were life they were both life-threatening, but that doula helped me to see the positive things in my birth. Like, was my birth hard? Yes. With my youngest, um, was it traumatic? A hundred percent. Yes. But now that I'm three years past that experience, I can look back and have endearing feelings. I can have positive feelings because of the support that I got. And because you know, other doulas taught me how to protect my peace, taught me how to look at the bright side, how to, they, they honestly, they brought light into a very, very dark situation. And, um, you know, that's our goal with this podcast, shedding light on the childbearing years, because it is tough. Um, I was just talking and complaining this morning about my daughters and how they wrecked their room again. And I'm so stressed about having to try to get them to clean it up. And, you know, they're the youngest is three. So we're still in that childhood stage, but it, it's hard and it's stressful. But I know that I have a friend that I can call when she comes back in town. And, hey, can you just come over for an hour and just help me clean this up? And, you know, just that support. And, you know, it makes her feel good because she's helping. It makes me feel not so anxious because I'm getting the help. Um, and yeah, so. I do have one more question. So how do you, um, what kind of advice do you have um, as a business owner? Like, 
do you have a certain way that you uh, place boundaries to guard your space? You know, that's a, an interesting question. <laughs> so I have, I have developed boundaries over time. Um, I used to want to, you know, work with every single client that was willing to hire me. And over time, I learned that certain clients and certain doulas, like th there is a good fit and there's a not so good fit. Not that, you know, I can I can doula a woman through any birth. <laughs> That's not the problem. But I think when it comes to like personality types or what people really truly need from a doula, that can be, you know, it can be different depending on who the doula is. So I've learned over time to kind of listen to the intuition if it feels like a client situation or a birth situation is not going to be a good fit. So I've built a boundary around, okay, it needs to feel like a good fit. And then the other side of that is just having a boundary around how many clients I work with in a month. That one has been a lot harder, actually, because, again, like as birth workers, I think we're so passionate about birth and about helping people that we want to work with as many people as we can. Whoever, you know, you just will kind of load up the clients, but that leads to burnout. And so I think it's important to say I'm going to work with this many people at a time. That way I'm not being burnt out by carrying so many different, you know, emotional loads around with us all the time. Because, you know, being a doula and being a midwife, it's very emotional work. You know, you are working with women in a very vulnerable time and the needs are not just monitor my baby monitor my blood pressure, you know, like the, there are lots of, there's lots of emotional support that goes into that. And so with that, you have to pace yourself, I feel. So I've definitely created, you know, trying to do a better job <laughs> of having boundaries around how many clients I work with at a time so that I have enough to give to everybody and to myself, because I also have kids at home. I have a family and I have a household to run. So I want to have something left for them and for myself. So I think just balancing the workload has been one of those things that I've needed to develop a boundary around. Um, yeah, those are the two main areas, I would say. But yeah, it's really important to 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 respect the, the you know, when you have that feeling of I'm taking too much on or I don't know if I'm a really good fit for this couple. It's just it's important to honor that and respect it yeah. and move accordingly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, for sure. And um, I think that all points back to guard your space, protect your peace. And, and definitely, um, you're right, like as doulas, it's kind of a personality type trait that you just want to give and support and nurture and all of these things. But there is, it can be a very emotionally taxing um, profession. Um, it's super, super, super rewarding but you do have to find that balance of when, when am I getting too stretched thin and, and those types of things. Um, so, yeah, well, Delandra, I definitely appreciate all of your time, all of your wisdom, all of your points. And um, just thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. This is so much fun. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Twinkie Chronicles podcast. This is Christina Lundy, a.k.a. Twinkie Number One, signing out for now. Bye-bye, everyone.